what, what is the Spirit saying to you this morning? Boy, I just want to hover in His presence for a few minutes. And, you know, it's His ministry, isn't it? It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that makes all the difference. Swirling emotional systems merge together in congregations every Sunday morning. Individuals bring with them those swirling emotions as they come homes, work environments, neighborhoods, and add to that all the emotional triangles that's in every church. How we react, how we speak, how we understand each other. And in this environment, there is tremendous potential for spiritual growth, or the opposite, chaotic, destructive eruptions of raw emotions. The peacemaking culture is really needed in every congregation. And I, I feel like the one reason why I, I'm coaching along this way, I believe for stability and for real ministry to take place, you and I really need to get into the Word and begin to live by the Word in this area of unity. There's three things I believe that, that the church has to guard against. Number one is heresy. Number two is impurity, sexual impurity. And number three is disunity. Those are the big three in the church. It's not about smoking, drinking, your habits that you're trying to overcome, all those things, even though those may be important. Having unity in the church is one of the things that the scriptures talk about more than anything else. I could just give passage after passage after passages. But I believe there's some reasons why these things take place. And that's the reason why I want to come to this area with you, to share with you, to maybe coach you in that. And I promised last week I would start giving you perhaps a peacemaking toolkit. And I went home, I thought, that was dumb. <laughs> promised you that, and then I thought, wow, how am I going to come up with that one? But you, you look at the spiritual gifts and, you, and all the commandments that's with it, and you begin to realize that you need to have the Holy Spirit help you. But one of the problems, and I got this into Facebook, I wrote this in Facebook, and then some comments came up, and uh, there's a lot of preachers in my group, so I... And one of, the, one of the things that was brought to my attention was that when the Holy Spirit comes and gives the gifts, there's going to be perfect unity. Well, I would like to think that. But the problem is, here's all the teaching on other gifts, all three passages, and we're giving commandments of how to make them work together. I still believe that there takes a willful act on your part to surrender the Holy Spirit and constantly let the Holy Spirit use the other gifts, which may sometimes cause some things in your life. So, so I'm not going to, uh, so that's where I'm going with it this morning. Okay, can I go there with you? It's a discussion on the spiritual gifts and on the instructions that go along with it. First, let me give you this scripture. I, I love this. You know, really, we, you wouldn't really need a discipline or, or a membership class. All you need to publish is, is Romans 12, 9 through 13. Look at this. Don't just pretend to love others. 
Really love them. I think that's pretty good. Hey, what is wrong? Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Wow, I think that kind of covers it. Don't you think our church, if we just did those scriptures, if we just did those scriptures alone, don't you think that's all that the church would need? I pretty well sums it up. Don't pretend, um, hate, uh, confront what is wrong, evaluate under what is good, be excited about what is happening in the other members' lives and how their gifts are being used. Don't take the easy road in handling problems. Isn't that right? See, one of the problems with the church is so often when the problems come up, we want to sweep it under the carpet and we don't want to take care of the church problems. We don't want it exposed. We think that if we hide them, they'll all go away. Next week, and I make these promises after this week, and maybe you won't be back next week, but, but the, or I won't be back next week. Maybe that's more honest. But, uh, but you see, one what, what of the problems is, is that when you do that, when you don't confront the problems, they continue to swell up until eventually they engulf the entire church. So that's the reason I want to give you this this. Um, toolkit this morning, and to start with it, it's just one part of that toolkit. And the first thing I want to use is self-differentiation. It's defining yourself and staying in touch with it. It's having you and understanding your relationship and letting the other person be who they are without losing it. I think it's time that we get rid of all the false humility in the church. Are you with me? There's a lot of false humility. We, you know, we talk about, oh, you know, I just, I am no good and what all. We, we, we do all this false humility, but inside there's emotional reactions as we look at someone maybe having a talent in one area versus a talent in another area, and that causes a problem. Let's, let's look at how it should be handled. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Now, this is after he's told you about surrendering yourselves now he's beginning to talk about how we are gifted in many parts of the body. Don't think you are better than you really are. Usually we stop there, don't we? We usually say, don't think you're better than you really are. Okay, we stop there. But then there's the other side of that. What are we to do instead of that? Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as the body has many parts, each Part has a spatial function. So it is with Christ's body. We have many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Now, that's pretty good because that is a perfect description of what I am talking about, self-differentiation. What I'm saying is properly evaluate. Know who you are in Jesus Christ. There's some things that you have to understand. You need to be honest about who you are in Christ. If God has gifted you in a certain way, you shouldn't go around saying, well, I just don't have anything to do, or I'm not gifted in that way. You need to honor the Holy Spirit that has given you the gifts and make you strong. But what you can't do is be puffed up. 
I, I had an interesting thing. I don't think I put that on the screen this morning, but you probably heard the scripture in Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse 31. It says, covet earnestly the best gifts. And that's the King James Version, all right? But it's the word covet. You wouldn't think that would ever be used because thou shalt not covet. So I, I had to dig into it. And, uh, of course, I, then, it, then you get in a problem once you start uncovering a verse like this. You begin to say, well, now which Greek manuscripts... And, and I find there is a, some differentiation, but all of them point to this, that the important gifts, you ought to really want to have them. The most useful gifts, you really ought to want to have them. The most prestigious gifts, in other words, you do want to be used by God. Every person here ought to have a desire to be used full-fledged, the best of your ability, who you are in the God's kingdom, you want to be the best. That's good preaching. And I say that because so often in false humility, we try to say, well, we don't have anything. But God has given you some things. And you need to recognize those are spatial gifts given to you. And it's an honor for you to have those gifts. It's a privilege to have those gifts. It isn't something that you can bury it. You can't just put it aside. It is very important. You can never let other people be who they should be until you know who you are in Christ. Tool number one is to recognize who you are so you can recognize who the other person is. And I really believe this. I, I really want to hammer this home. You can never be effective as a Christian worker Whereas a Christian, as long as you're gobbled up with your own emotions and you can't really be, have this confidence in yourself that God has really made you a certain way and He has gifted you a certain way and He calls you to do His ministry. It is God who gives and we have to give Him the honor. Strive for those gifts. Second thing is diversity. Not everybody's the same. And in diversity, God works in different ways, but the same God who does the work in us all. What I'm really talking about is how to be a non-anxious presence when there is differences right in our own group. Um, let's, um, even the music that we like, there's probably some of you like a certain style in the church and some like a different style. There, there's so many things, but how to be a non-anxious presence the role of diversity in every church. You need to honor it and love it. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. It is the one and only spirit that distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. So it's a picture that we're not all alike. It's a picture that we all don't see things alike or we don't have the same gifts in operation. And your spiritual gifts really do dominate you in many ways. They're, and I want to get into that in a minute because I think that's where, where we... But we have to understand, first of all, there's a great diversity. And the more diverse any congregation can become without becoming an anxious presence and all worried and concerned, the larger that congregation can allow those gifts to be in operation. Third thing, tension. See, not only is there diversity, but those gifts begin to pull in a proper tension to make the body what it should be. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Their responsibility is to equip the people of God to do His work to build up the church and the body. This will continue till each shall come... They're not, remember, see, there's unity already... 
there's a process taking place. Do you see that? As the gifts are working in unison together, they're coming to a unity, right? I want you to see that, because that is the purpose of that. In our faith and knowledge of God's Son, so that we will be what? Mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. If the gifts do not develop the people outside of their gifted area, if it's not pulling attention, nine times out of ten, you will never be, you will never have that completeness. So let's, let's look at this while the whole body fits together perfectly. Each part does its own spatial work. It helps the other part grow. Now it didn't say it just perfectly lines up. It actually pushes the other part or begins to work on the other part a little bit. Do you, do you get the picture? Real gifts and operation of the church will begin to work on the other members to help them become according to the giftedness that God has worked in you. It's a beautiful picture. It helps the parts, other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Growth is a process, but at times there's natural tensions that take place. Well, tension, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? I don't know about you, but sometimes, um, I don't know. Well, it doesn't show us. That's supposed to be worked in. Well, <laughs> well that's a good one on me. That, that, if you have uh, in the Internet, that, the thing comes up and flips them over. All right. So I didn't work it on your PowerPoint ahead of time. So the joke is on me on that one. But anyhow, there is natural tendency, tension within us. I, w- I want to just show you some of that to just to reveal what I, what I have been studying, what I have been observing. Number one, there, uh, and I'm not going to cover all the areas. I just want you to become aware so you can let tension not destroy the church, but develop the church. You, it's good for you to have a little tension in here. Well, I, when I get to the best point, I, somehow it's not coming across. Or you're not amening me on him or something. But, I, but that, there is, can I say it one more time? It is good for there to be a proper tension, but it's unhealthy to have the wrong tension. Let's look at it. I think there's a tension between a prophet and those in hospitality, evangelism, and mercy. There's a natural tension there. You see, the prophet has a discernment of spiritual condition of the church, and he's usually a revivalist or evangelist, and he sees everything as black and white. Right? I mean, they, 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 can, they can tell you that if certain things happen in the church, it's going to pull the church down spiritually, and that's the bottom line. That's how they see the whole picture. The tension is this. That person who has the gift of hospitality will begin to say, but pastor, if you are a prophet, if, you're, if you start preaching like that, you're going to run everybody off. Evangelism says you're placing too many barriers and difficulties keeping people from coming to Christ. That person with mercy will say, you're, te- you're just tearing people up. You're just making them feel bad. Um, <laughs> don't be so stuck in the mud. Give the people a little slack here. Okay? Do you, do you get the responses? The natural responses back and forth. The spiritual gifts you see has a value it's different, but it's already being interpreted. Each person interprets everything within their spiritual gift. Let's, let's look at another tension. Prophet and teacher and wisdom. See, a prophet discerns truth or prophetic truth or spiritual truth. I don't know how you define the different ways of looking at truth. The prophet sees things black and white. But the teacher is often broader in his theological thinking. Wisdom 
and this may be a surprise to some, but wisdom is not only salific, salvific in its trajectory. It does not always mean that everything that's wisdom in the Bible points to heaven. Did you know there's a whole portion of the Bible that's pointing toward how to live here on earth? The wisdom books give us not only how to go to heaven, but tells us how to live here on earth. And sometimes we miss that because we're only in this one bend of thinking, we're in this prophetic message, and we don't see that there's some things we ought to be teaching how to get along here on earth. I think it'd be good for us to see the difference between wisdom and that of a prophetic message. And, and they both need it. The prophet tells you what you should be. The teacher tells you why you should be it. The teacher is not always as spiritual as a prophet, or at least the prophet don't discern that. And so there becomes a tension there. The prophet is not always as wise as a teacher. I, I, don't, I wasn't going to tell you that, but I'm going to tell you that. When I went to Regent, you know where Regent is, Regent Divinity School, that's down there where Pat uh, Robertson has his big broadcasting. And he just said, I was in class there, and he just, Pat Robertson made one of his big problems. He had said one of his statements that just went all across America, you know. And I go into the classroom and the teacher, uh, this great Prosser, Dr. Prosser had been in the classroom there, had been with the start of Divinity School, close friends, the two people are close friends. But he said to the students, he says, we've been telling Pat he needs to put a little earpiece in so we can tell him when he's missed it. <laughs> Okay, now I'm not, I'm not getting into that controversy. What I'm trying to say is, do you see the difference between a teacher and a prophet? Sometimes you see things totally different. And we need to admit that there are some differences in how we view things. I hope I didn't say the wrong thing there. But, I, I, but you have to see the tension. Let's, let's look at some other areas. And there's many areas that we can get into with this. And I'm not going to cover them all. But one of the points that I think is a really stickler in the church is this thing called administration. If you're around the church very long, you begin to understand the administration, the evangelism, the prophet, the apostle. Sometimes, you know that person that is an administrator, he has, they have the gift of administration. They're the most unappreciated person in the whole church. Did you know that? If you have that gift, <laughs> you're, you're going to wonder why there's always something going on and there seems to be something. And sometimes it's a friction that happens right around things that you're about. Often, that prophet, that evangelist or whatever, looks at a hindrance of why is all this planning, reporting, assessing? Let's just go do it. I mean, let's don't report back. Let's don't do an assessment. Let's don't have a plan. Let's just go do ministry. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I meant to tell you as I went down through this list, why don't you just sit there in your congregation and think about it? Yep, I know. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Can you do that? I mean, without, without getting in trouble spiritually? I mean, I don't want you to judge anybody else. But you know good well. You can see every day that's happening as you do the ministry within the church. That person who has administration often will be at odds with gifted people who don't like routine and being on time. Sometimes the administrators see that person as lazy and inconsiderate. I mean, you think about it. You lay out everything, you have everything scheduled, and the whole group is together, and this person keeps coming in 20, 10 or 20, 30 minutes late. What happens? You're wasting all those people's time. And that administrator is, in, is, is right on top of that. And they said, let's organize this so we don't waste everybody's time and let's really honor each other. But that person who is gifted, they want to be in the moment spiritually and they want to just experience it and let it happen however. Well, I tell you, I, 
every time I start preaching in this, this area, I know it's good stuff, and I just know that I don't always get that same kind of feedback. But I know that that's where we really are, isn't it? Do you see that sandpaper working constantly within the church? That's the reason why the Scripture says you have to love each other. That's the reason Scripture says you have to be disciplined enough that when things are not going your way, that you honor the other person who has a gift to bring that church to what it should be. Very important to know that. Administration and mercy. Administrators are all about process. Mercy is all about doing and helping. The administration is about neatness. Mercy could care less about having all the ducks in a row, right? Let's just go do it. They don't care if it makes the biggest mess in the church ever. <laughs> Let's just go do it. And God, in His goodness, said, we need some of both types of people and place them together so those people can grow. You don't need to just go do your thing and never have anything correct you or pull you in another direction and help you become a better person. Administration, faith and miracles. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> the administrator says, if you want to build a church or you want to do a project, let me see the money. Where is it? Right? That person of faith said, let's just go do it. The money will be there. I've been there. <laughs> I have been there, okay? I, I know, you know, said, let's just go do, let's do this thing by faith. And that administrator says, but wait, where are the funds? All these things are for the good of the church, the tensions, and we need to learn how to get along. We need to have how, how to have sound conversations within the church without getting anxious and upset by allowing both gifts to be at work because it's very needed in so many ways. Okay, that brings us, I don't know, okay, that brings us to what I would call the, the second value that I think is community. I believe this morning, and for the sake of time, I don't know if I'm going to do every, every scripture here. Let me go to that one in, a, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, in verse 15 through 16. Instead, you will speak the truth in love. See, that's next Sunday, that's where we're going to go, is how do we talk to each other in love? A disciplined love that says, I'm not going to get upset but I'm going to carry on the proper conversation so this church can become everything it should be. Many churches never have the conversations they should have, and therefore there's a lot of problems occur. If you're into a peacemaking culture, and I'm, it's so important, I, wanna, I wish I could wrap my arms around so many congregations, that, because you do not need to fight. You need to have, know how to talk to each other in love. And so community is where it's all about. And so, so he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. You see, there, there's several things of value of community. I believe, I, I like to teach a lot. And I, I do a lot of thinking and I read a lot of books. But no matter what I come to in my thinking, you know what? Truth is decided in community. I don't believe in Lone Rangers out there. I believe that all even theological discussion needs to come back so it has, can you have, what, what do you call it in college? You call it peer, um, not criticism, peer, uh, 
prayer review, right? I believe it's even more than that. All dialogue. See, when prophets go out there and they just preach and nobody stops them, and there's not a dialogue with the teachers, and, and when the ministrators aren't helping calm and organize the congregation, there's chaos begins to happen. Community is so needful. First of all, I think you need balance. We need each other. The reason why you need to have that conversation is because we do need each other. You need that person that's totally opposite of you. <laughs> Don't nudge him right now or her, okay? <laughs> but you need them. That's what makes the church what it is. It's a community of believers. And God has given you a special place in that community. And you, the only problem is you can't get so stuck on yourself that you can't humble yourself and let that other person be who they are. You ought to know that even though you're right, maybe they have some things that's right. Balance. Secondly, I believe that God uses this tension and the community to cause growth. God intends to use the other gifts that you don't have. If you're, let's go back to that administrator thing. If you're here this morning and you, are, you have all this talent, you know one thing that you really need to get with, you need to start hanging out with an administrator. Because you will never be totally successful until you learn to get a little administration along with that talent. You can be the greatest preacher in the world, but if you don't learn to do some administration, you're going to just fail time and time again because you haven't laid the right groundwork. There has to be the balance within the church. I planted a church, oh, this is almost 20 years ago, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I went there, it was, it was a great thing. I, I was young then, I thought, man, I can do anything, you know. <laughs> Forget all those churches with all those problems. Just go out there and take your family and start a church. <laughs> I did, okay? And, and God honored it because it was a call. It was more than that. But one of the people that came on board was a great administrator. Joined the board, and here I am, a young a pastor, just wanting to go 100% for Jesus Christ, and here's this administrator. Okay. This administrator comes and he begins to say, I, I would go to the meetings and I would take the old pastor's report. You know, you give a pastor's report to the board and I would put how many calls I made and how many things I did here and all that. And you know, blue collar churches love that type of thing, don't they? And he would look and he said, okay, you told me how busy you've been, but what about the goals? What about the vision? What, where have you moved the church? How are you developing the church? What are you really seeing happen? You haven't given me a report about the church. You're the CEO here. You're going to be running this church. What are you doing? Tell you what. I didn't always like. Now this guy was a businessman. He sat on the board. He was on every board uh, he was on every bank board in town he was on the national board of team challenge he 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 was recognized that he had the ability to be an administrator but i didn't always appreciate it when he began to make me be who i thought i wasn't amen well well maybe we will have a good prayer service a little bit later here but um i'm going to tell you I'm not going to tell you what he needed, okay? I'm just telling you what I needed. But I want to promise you something. If you're here this morning, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how professional you are. I don't care what all you have. You have some problems and you have some lacks that you need some other gifts in the church to cause you to grow. 
And some of those tensions that happen is for the good of everybody and, and the people going through the tension. If you can learn to go through a very problematic... I, I have the best father. I, he used to tell me this, and I believe with all my heart, every problem is a possibility. It's a building block of relationships. Did you realize that if you learn to work through problems, you will become greater friends? I have this pastor, I shouldn't say that pastor, I coach, I just love him to death, but he's so opposite of me, I, I, I love it. I, I think it's just a fresh, it's a, a different way of doing ministry than I've ever done. But I've, I've enjoyed working with him because he's so opposite of me. Don't you love the way God uses those people in your life to make you what you should be? And the third thing I would like to say, and this is really what it boils down to, is worship. Listen, ministry is worship. Now, I know we worship this morning. Thank you, Dave, for your devotional this morning. That was the healing. We want healing to take place. And the only way healing takes place in any church is if there's unity and we're working together and we're really thirsting to get all that God wants for us. But I want you to know where real worship is. Worship is when you're using your gifts. Worship is when you're a living sacrifice and you offer yourself up to God and you say, here it is, Lord just me but I'm willing to be that and I'll even go so far as to say this if there is those situations in the turn where there's tension real ministry real worship is when you can go to that person you disagree with and say now we, I know we don't see eye to eye but where can we pack us up our Heavenly Father looking down from heaven. Church goes on. Every day is game day, isn't it? Every day is worship. And it's how we handle those relationships that's real worship. It's a scripture that sets up their gifts and all this diversity and says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be living sacrifices. Do you see worship here? No, you're not comfortable with everything, and some things does just tick you off a little bit. But offer yourself. Let your bodies be living sacrifices, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let... And you know what that is. What, what's the customs of this world? The water cooler, right? That's where you talk about the people you don't... I, I didn't... That wasn't in my notes, but... But you know what I'm talking about. I don't know whether water cooler is in this church. It might not be a water cooler. It might be a private group or something. But what, whatever it is, that's the customs of the world. It's to, let, it's to flame the fires of controversy instead of dialogue and Christian love. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Wow. I want to give you next week, I, I really do, I want to give you some things that will help you with your conversation with those you disagree with. I want you really to see the picture as well. I, I put it in a bullet two weeks ago. Remember the slippery slope. I want to come to that. I want to just really talk to you about it. But you know the possibilities of all the dissension that takes place sometimes in the emotional triangles that develop in the church is the very potential to bring unity and to grow you as a Christian. Let God transform you and change the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, 
and perfect. I want to pray that with you this morning. Could I just turn that scripture into a prayer? Could you stand together with me? I want to pray that prayer with you. As the praise band comes, go on and come on. Oh God, help us to be true brothers and sisters. Lord, we want to present to you a church here at Windover Hills that glorifies you. We want to offer ourselves this morning as living sacrifices. Lord, we don't want to just have our way, but we want your grace to grace our lives and to change us. And we want to offer ourselves in ministry, offering ourselves as living sacrifices. Lord, let us worship. Let this really be a house of praise and worship and healing. Lord, we don't want to be like the world that gets after each other and tries to have a pecking order or tries to destroy those who they disagree with. But Lord, transform us into a new person. Lord, right now, you know, you know the emotional triangles, you know the hurt that maybe we feel inside, but would you not cleanse us this morning and change the way we look at it? Transform us. Lord, do your transforming work, we pray. Lord, we want to know your will for us that good and pleasing and perfect will of God. In Christ Jesus' name we come. Amen.